greetings, Chris. This time a week ago, we certainly hope that you and your family were enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us today, buddy. Yeah, sure thing, man. It's, uh, it's kind of an easy uh, off-season so far for the SEC. We have one coaching vacancy that's been filled already, so... Uh, you know, now it's all about the transfer portal, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more and more names coming and going in the next uh, the next few days. Feels like it's going to be impossible to keep up with all those transfer portal names, and you're right, it's going to be a, a madhouse on December 5th when that opens up. What would you think of the Hugh Freeze hire for Auburn? Yeah, I mean, look, it's garnered so much attention nationally, locally, regionally, and... You know, all, all the negative stuff that I hear has everything to do with everything off the field. There's there's nobody that can give me a from a football perspective why it's not a good hire. You know, like uh, Hugh Freeze as a football coach and a football mind has been great. I mean, uh, the guy won at Liberty for for God's sake. So, um, you know, from from a football perspective, you got to think it's going to be very good. Uh, for Auburn, you know, Robbie Ashford, I think said it the, the, the best is the dream come true for him. And so I, I think it's, it, it, it's going to be tremendous to see what he does schematically. Um, you know, first and foremost, what is it, what does this roster look like? Who's coming back? How quickly can they hit up the transfer portal, build up this recruiting class? But, you know, for, as far as like expectations on the football field, you got to be very excited, but it's, it's about all the extra stuff, right? It's about the, the off-the-field stuff, the negative stuff. And you just kind of have to pinch your nose and, and hope that everything goes well with you, Freeze, and that all his past transgressions are, are gone and that he's going to run a clean program. And, and there's nothing you can really do as a fan. You kind of have to hope that, that that's how it'll go and kind of rally around and support him. But, I, you know, I understand why some people don't. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of Auburn fans who – are a fan of the hire, a question the hire, and so he's going to have to build up that trust with them. No kidding, and without a doubt, Chris Gordy's joining us here on the program right now. It's been a little bit since we've had you on the show, so much so uh, that the last time we spoke, there was a different head coach for the Tigers, and then Cadillac Williams took over in the interim capacity. He's now going to be the associate head coach for Auburn football. What was it like for uh, from someone at, at your perspective, again, with no ties to Auburn, but to see Cadillac Williams roaming and, and racing up and down the sidelines in his role as interim head coach and ultimately getting to be retained by Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did a tremendous job, all things considered. I mean, the, the offense... He gave life to that offense, particularly the running game. I mean, I don't know how many times I came on with you guys and other shows throughout the season and, and kept saying, guys, this, this isn't that hard. Get Tank Bigsby and Dark Horse under the ball. Like, it, it just, it kept, it was my ball. I don't know what Brian Arson and, and those guys were doing, but uh, Cadillac being a former running back, obviously he came in and made it easy. Hey, let's run the ball. And they did so very effectively. And Tank Bigsby had a great end to the season. And, uh, Jocko Tutter had a great season, and so, um, yeah, I, I thought he did a great job keeping everything together, together, getting the kids to buy in, play hard, and, you know, it, it, it's a weird situation, because did, did he deserve a shot at the job? Sure. Did, did he have all the skins on the wall? No. Um, you know, higher had they just given him the job? Yes. So, I, I get all that, but I guess, you know, the, the the best thing about this situation is they were able to retain him. I'm, I haven't heard the numbers yet, but I'm sure they paid him very well to stay. 
And it's a big, big get for Hugh Freeze by retaining Cadillac. You still get all the kids that he got to buy in, you know, hopefully stay on and, and buy into what they're selling. And uh, to me, that was that was the biggest recruiting win so far for Hugh Freeze was winning over Cadillac and keeping him. Chris, you alluded to the transfer portal, and that certainly changes the way teams build their programs now and can affect year-to-year progress. But that being said, let's talk about timeline for Hugh Freeze because obviously this is an Auburn program that expects to win. However, it was an Auburn team this year that was one of the worst in the SEC, and it's losing a lot of its top players for next year. So what is a reasonable timeline and path for success in the coming years for Hugh Freeze? Well, I, I mean, I was doing some digging. I was looking ahead to next year's schedule and just, you know, my, my unbiased opinion. I, I think it's a tough schedule. I mean, I don't know what Cal's going to look like next year, but you got to go out there and get Georgia and A&M in the first couple of games. I mean, to, to me, that's, it's just a very tough schedule for a guy taking over, a, uh, you know, t- taking over a program for the first time and trying to assimilate staff and transfers and new recruits and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I would say seven and five next year will be a nice, start, you know, to to uh, his, his years at, at Auburn. I mean, if it's 8-4, and four, even better. But I would say that's a realistic expectation. It's it's an improvement from this year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get everybody excited right at home about it, but I think that would be a tremendous start. And, um, and, and you kind of go from there. But but it's it's funny, you mentioned the transfer portal. I, I talked about this earlier today. I, I think, you know, as complimentary as Robbie Ashford was about, man, it's a dream come true getting new freeze. I would still go look in that transfer portal, and I would still look to add another quarterback to come in and you know either compete with, with Ashford or, or come in and win the job. I mean, I go back to last spring when Brian Kelly took over, yeah, everybody just assumed Miles Brennan, the, the six-year senior, was going to be the starter at LSU, and Brian Kelly didn't think it was enough. You know, he had Garrett Nussmeyer, who was bringing Walker Howard as a true freshman. But he said, I think we need somebody else. And they went to Arizona State. They got Jaden Daniels. Most people still expected Miles Brennan was going to be the starter. But Jaden Daniels came in and won that job. And has been the starter for LSU all year and has been very productive. And so I say that with no disrespect to, to Robbie Ashford. I thought he had a, a great year and got better as the year went along. But I still, I look at all these kids sitting in the transfer portal. Malik Horns be at, at Arkansas, Luke Allfire at Ole Miss. I would not be afraid to still go out and go get me a big-name quarterback and bring that guy in to compete with Robbie Asher because, you know, look, i, I got to improve this roster upward and down. Chris, you, you mentioned Jane Daniels uh, and you're, you're talking about a, bringing in a quarterback. Well, he's playing in a game this weekend for, for LSU as they take on Georgia in that SEC championship game. Georgia coming off uh, their traditional rivalry against Georgia Tech. Pretty, a pretty easy win, although the first quarter was a little hairy for the dogs. And then LSU comes on the opposite side of that, losing their final game as they took on Texas A&M. And Texas A&M coming out and kind of shocking a lot of people and beating LSU. What is the keys to this weekend's game? And do, does LSU have a chance to knock off Georgia? They they have a chance. I mean, you know, when I look at what LSU did all season, we, you know, the one thing I learned about this season, guys, is don't be a prisoner of the moment, right? You know, South Carolina goes and gets absolutely curb stomped by Florida. What are, what are we all saying the next week? Yeah, they got no chance against Tennessee. What do they do? They score 60 points and, and route Tennessee. And we're all like, yeah, but they're playing Clemson next week. Surely they can't do that again. And they beat Clemson. So, and don't just assume things. The results from the weeks prior, like, don't just assume that, well, LSU got beat by 4-7 and seven A&M, so they can't beat Georgia. No, it's, 
it's going to be a refocused team. They're, they're going to turn the page and they're going to they're going to come out and and give a great effort. Um, LSU's got to throw the football. The the problem with James Daniels is when they're letting him throw it down the field and he's releasing it. We saw it against Florida. We saw it against Alabama. We saw it against Ole Miss. He could throw for a ton of yards, and he's actually pretty accurate. He's got a good arm. But what we saw in the Arkansas game and what we saw this past week against A&M was him being timid, him not letting the ball go. I mean, he, he's sitting back there and has time, has protection, and he won't let go of the ball. And I know they preached earlier in the year, don't turn the ball over. Dude, you got nothing to lose here. If you throw three interceptions against Georgia, nobody's going nobody's gonna to yell at you. Nobody's going to go, what are you doing? Like, look, let it fly. You've got... Uh, Kayshawn Booty and Malik Neighbors and all these different receivers, like, get them the ball and take your shots. And if LSU does that, look, go back and look at the SEC championship a year ago, guys. Bryce Young threw for 400 yards on this Georgia secondary. Like, And I know Bryce Young won the Heisman, so maybe not a, tr- a true comparison to Jaden Daniels, but like, that's how you beat Georgia. Not by running the football. Like, Nobody can run the football on Georgia. So that's why I say, like, go into this game, let it fly. On the flip side, if your defense can do kind of what Kentucky did a few weeks ago, and, you know, yeah, Georgia kept getting into the red zone in Kentucky, but guess what they kept doing? Settling for field goals. If LSU's defense can force Georgia to settle for field goals, uh, they can find themselves in a close game. And so, you know, when I see this line, it's 17 and a half, and I think even some books it's up to 18. I start to go, yeah, give me LSU in those points, because I think at the end of the day, they'll be able to keep it at least a little close. Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question here. Today uh, marks you know, the beginning, I guess, or, or the agreement of the 12-team the playoff moving up to 2024. We knew it was coming in at least in 2026, but it's moving up to 2024. Which program in the SEC does that benefit the most? I would say you're talking about the playoff expansion? Yes. Yeah, I, to me, it's, it's the second-tier teams. Um Alabama and Georgia, they're in a class of their own. Like, they, they don't – playoff expansion, keep it at four, they're still going to be just fine. They're, they're going to benefit just fine from that. To me, this benefits the second-tier teams. And put whoever you want in that category. The LSUs, the Auburns, the Texas A&Ms. You know, Jimbo Fisher – Texas A&M has been in the conference for over a decade. They've never been to Atlanta. Uh, Ole Miss has never been to Atlanta. Uh, Kentucky's never been to Atlanta. I mean, these are teams who – have no shot of winning an SEC championship year in and year out, yet they will have a chance to get to the playoffs. I mean, look at Tennessee this year. They they overachieved. They had a great year. Ten wins is nothing to sniff, to sniff at. But at the end of the day, they, they weren't beating Georgia, and they couldn't win the East, and they won't play for an SEC title. But they could be in the playoffs. And so that's where I say that the second-tier SEC teams are, are who benefits most. Shane Beamer, you know, God love him. He's doing a great job at South Carolina. They're never going to win the SEC. But he can get in the playoffs if they have a great year. So that's, that's who this benefits most and really opens the door. And, you know, I, I still think winning the SEC means something. This is going to be Kirby Smart's fifth trip to Atlanta. He's won one SEC championship. So I know it means a lot to him. They want to win. Even though all I keep hearing is, well, Georgia loses, they're still in. <laughs> that's great. But winning the SEC still means something. Winning that SEC championship trophy still should mean something. And uh, Brian Kelly and Elish earned that and deserved that. And the playoff this year, LSU probably you know wouldn't be in with three losses. So um, 
Yeah, I, I just think it's going to benefit the, the seconds of your teams, and it's going to open the door a lot quicker for Hugh Freeze, where it's not all about beating Alabama and winning the SEC. That 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 would be tremendous. But hey, man, go ten and two, and you get get yourself in the playoff. Tell us a little bit about Locked On SEC, Chris. Yeah, Locked On SEC, wherever you get your podcast, and we're on YouTube now. We're uh, just taped a segment with Danny Cannell. We're going to run in the morning, and uh, really awesome. good stuff with Danny. Breaking down all the games this weekend, and got his thoughts on the Hugh Freeze hire. So you'll be able to check that out tomorrow. We'll be sure to do that. Thanks again for taking some time to chat with us today, Chris. Be well. Definitely, guys. Anytime.